Revelation 2 and 3 reveal that the Lord is walking in the midst of the local churches and speaking to each church according to its condition. At the same time, these messages given to the different churches are what the Spirit is speaking to all the churches as the body of Christ. In this series of podcasts, we bring to you the Lord speaking in local and regional conferences so that we may hear what the Spirit is speaking to all of us today. This week's message is titled, The Rapture of the Overcomers. This is message two of a conference given by Brother Ron Kangas from August 13 through 15, 2021 to the churches in Central Texas, hosted by the church in Austin. The general subject of the conference is building today's ark, the church as the corporate expression of Christ. A link to the entire conference, including outlines, can be found in the episode notes. The title of Message 2 is quite simple, apparently. The Rapture of the Overcomers. And now a brief word about overcomers. And then I have some leading, some feeling to spend some time to help us have a proper understanding of this expression, soul life. Okay, the the overcomer is Christ himself. This is revealed clearly in Revelation chapter 3, chapter 5. He is calling for overcomers, and he produces overcomers by reproducing himself in the lives of the saints who present themselves to him as a living offering in the day of warfare. So the overcomers are not super believers. They're not extraordinarily gifted. They're ordinary believers who have this aspiration for the Lord's sake, for the kingdom's sake, for the sake of the reward of the kingdom. They tell the Lord, Lord, please make me an overcomer. And in the present age, which soon will become very much like as it was in the days of Noah, we will be living in a chaotic lawless, rebellious, anti-God environment. And in the midst of this, we turn to the Lord, we love the Lord, we're one with him, we receive his dispensing, we're under his shepherding. And as we saw a little bit in message one, and we'll cover thoroughly in message three, we are here to build the ark, typified by the ark built by Noah, the church as the corporate expression of Christ. 
and the overcomers, the living overcomers that are faithful unto the end, then they will be raptured live as first fruits as shown in Revelation 14. And with Christ in us as the hope of glory, we all have this hope that we will be among the overcomers. And in a little while, we'll consider the rapture of the overcomers, especially what prepares them, what they are experiencing at this time. But if you just take a glimpse at Roman numerals 1 and 2, you'll see this word, our soul life. If we want to save our soul life, we will lose it. If we lose our soul life for the Lord's sake, we will save it. If we lose our soul life, we may participate in the rapture of the overcomers. And I have a sense of being responsible in this message to the Lord and to you to to speak a word that I hope will give us a proper understanding of the soul life, what it means to lose the soul life, and then to gain our soul life when the Lord comes back. And also this will be a blow against the enemy who will misrepresent God to us, who will lie to us and deceive us and discourage us. We need to have a proper, positive, and I would even say healthy, spiritual healthy understanding of this expression, soul life, as used in the New Testament. And I begin this defining word at the beginning of the Bible. God created us in his image, male and female. Then in Genesis 2-7, we're told something quite specific. And I believe it's not hard for us to grasp the thought that our physical body is really largely composed of material things related to earth. So the Lord formed this human being, a man, with the earth. Then he breathed into him his breath, that wasn't the Spirit of God, it wasn't the life of God, but something close. And that breath became the human spirit. And the result is that man became a living soul. This is what a created human being is, a living soul. And 
the soul has its own life created by God. So we refer to the soul life. And we may also say it is the natural God-created human life. And this tripartite man, who's a living soul, has a spirit, was created with a spirit to contact the spiritual realm, a physical body to live in the material realm, and a human soul with mind, emotion, and will. So God created us to have a human life, a natural life, a soul life. And then where did God place the one he created? In a beautiful garden in paradise and known as Eden. A lovely, beautiful place. And then we're told in Genesis 2 that God brought forth all kinds of trees that are pleasant to the sight and good for food. And there's a little footnote in Genesis 2 on that verse. And before I just uh, refer to it or mention it, we see that God placed the man he created in an earthly paradise. And the note points out, God did this because he wants us to be happy. Human beings, in their created tripartite being, not only need food, and water, they need enjoyment. This is a human need. And God wants us to be happy, but even more, he wants us to enjoy him. This is our God. He knows how enjoyable he is. He wants us to enjoy him He created us with human needs for a proper kind of enjoyment. And he provides this. However, something terrible, drastic happened when the satanic element of sin entered the human race and is in all of us. We were born into it. And the spirit was deadened, not dead, but like it's in a coma. And the body became the body of sin, the body of death. It became flesh in a negative sense. And the soul became the self. And behind this self is a satanic element. This is revealed clearly in Matthew 16. 
So the living soul, man as a living soul that God created, is no longer what he created at that time. Here we are on the earth, surrounded by the satanic world system, with a body of sin, a body of death, before we're regenerated, a spirit that's not normally functioning. And at the center is the self with the soul life. And now two things related to this. One is that Satan has designed the total world system with a particular intention. We know from 1 John 5, the whole world lies in the evil one. The enemy knows we need clothes, we need food, we need drink, we need transportation, we need a dwelling place. We have so many human needs. So he created this system where, yes, the needs can be met. We buy food, we buy supplements that we think will be helpful. We need to get an automobile or some kind of transportation. But the enemy uses that to usurp us, to rule over us. And he knows that as humans, we need enjoyment. So he has a wide range of things in his world system. And he knows certain things will appeal to this one's soul and that one's soul. And as a result, this is how people now live on the earth. This is their intention. To have as much pleasure and enjoyment in their soul as possible. And to avoid as much pain and suffering as is possible. So this is the state of the soul life today. Now the other point, in addition to Satan's world system, is the Lord's loving care for us. He knows thoroughly that we are fallen. He sees every aspect of our fallen being. But he knows that we are human beings living on the earth. And we have genuine needs. Even he taught us to pray to the Father for our daily bread, for our human needs. And he knows that we need enjoyment. So it's very important, dear brothers and sisters, that you don't take in the thought from the enemy that when I quote the Lord Jesus, I read the verses and comment on them about losing the soul life, this means that you just can't be happy, you can't enjoy anything. 
It's not that. We will see the crucial decision will be what is our first love? What do we love? The world? The things in the world? The worldly way to have enjoyment in the soul? Or can we say, by the Lord's grace and supply, I love you, Lord. I love you. You're my lovely bridegroom. And so the Lord, even in in Ecclesiastes, God has made it clear that in order to preserve the human race, so that there will be people on the earth to carry out his eternal purpose. He made it very clear, you need to have enjoyment in marriage, in a meal, in certain aspects of your life. So I say again, please do not take in the thought that when I speak about losing the soul life, that means You can't enjoy anything with your family. You can't help your children to have a happy time together. That you yourself can't have some rest. And to enjoy, again, a beneficial thing, not a a damaging thing, to just have some normal human joy. Now we need to see what it means to lose our soul life and to save our soul life. And I will read verses, and this is so obvious, you may think there's no need for me to emphasize it, but I'll read the things spoken by Jesus himself concerning his kingdom the kingdom of God and the Father's will. And in Matthew chapter 10 verses 37 through 39 the Lord says this He who loves Father or mother above me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter above me is not worthy of me. Then footnote one on verse 37. Our love for the Lord must be absolute. We should love nothing above him. He is the one most worthy of our love. And we must be his be worthy of him. I think we can all agree with this with a hearty amen inwardly. Our love for the Lord must be absolute. We should love nothing. We should love no one above him. Then the Lord goes on to say, verse 38, 
And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So the kingdom people, those who aspire to be produced as overcomers in this age, they must take up their cross and follow after the Lord. Revelation 14, those first fruits, one of their characteristics is they follow the Lamb wherever He may go. If we decide to follow the Lord, we have to realize the cross is involved. And the cross terminates all negative things. It terminates anything and anyone that replaces Christ in our life. Not the person themselves, but in our life. And the cross deals with our fallen self-love. So we need to realize if we want to follow the Lord into the wedding feast, into the kingdom, we need to take our cross and follow him. Then verse 39, he who finds his soul life shall lose it. And he who loses his soul life for my sake shall find it. So what does it mean to lose and find our soul life? And the footnote one on verse 39 is so clear. To find the soul life is to allow the soul to have its enjoyment and to escape suffering. This is what the soul life wants, to find enjoyment and to escape suffering. To lose the soul life is to cause the soul to lose its enjoyment and thereby to suffer. If the heavenly king's followers allow their soul to have its enjoyment in this age. They will cause their soul to suffer the loss of its enjoyment in the coming kingdom age. If they allow their soul to suffer the loss of its enjoyment in this age for the king's sake, I repeat, if they allow the soul to suffer the loss of its enjoyment in this age for the king's sake, they will enable their soul to have its enjoyment in the coming kingdom age. That is to share the king's joy and ruling over the earth. 
The context here is following the king. Will we or will we not live a kingdom life? According to 1 John chapter 3, we have been born of God, born of the Spirit, born of water and the Spirit. We have entered into the kingdom of God as a realm of life. Now, how will we live here? Will we live? Are we willing to learn to live a kingdom life? There is a king who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And when he called disciples, he said, follow me, follow me. This simple matter, follow the Lord. So if we present ourselves to the Lord, we consider this, we make a decision, Lord, with you as my burnt offering, I consecrate my life to you and I choose to follow you wherever you may go. Then he leads us in this matter or that matter to do this or do that to go to this place or that place. He leads us, don't take that job. It's not good for the church life. Take this. When he leads us and we follow him, we must be willing for the soul to lose some pleasure because our soul may not like this. The Lord wants me to move to the Russian-speaking world I don't want to be there. Can I get Jamocha almond fudge ice cream? Do they have uh, good pizza there? This is the soul rising up. Even the matter of following the Lord to the full-time training. And you come and voluntarily accept the limitations and live under the kingdom rules in the training. You're not allowed to go here and do this and play with this and listen to that. This is losing the soul life. The Lord says, follow me to FDTA. This will cost your soul some loss, and some suffering. Maybe you're not used to getting up at 6 a.m., turning lights out at 10.30 a.m., living in a corporate situation. But the Lord is leading you, and you choose to follow him because you love him and are living a kingdom life by him. And so you're willing to lose your soul for the Lord's sake. The Lord doesn't come and say, I want you to suffer just to suffer. No, our God is not such a God. Our Lord is not such a person. It is for his sake. 
It's costly to follow me in this age. So many are willing to be saved and believe the lie. There will have a mansion in heaven. They will all escape the tribulation, be raptured. Very few are willing to follow me. And now he's calling for us. And now, rather quickly, I can read some other verses to strengthen this same thought. Matthew 16, 25. In verse 23, the Lord turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his soul life shall lose it. And whoever loses his soul life for my sake shall find it. For what shall a man be profited if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul life? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul life? For the Son of Man is to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he'll repay each man according to his doings. So the Lord said, come after me. But if you want to save your soul life, oh, I didn't realize it. I won't be able to enjoy this. I won't be able to do that. I can't play video games two hours a day. I can't do this and that because I'm occupied with what the Lord is calling me to do. So you decide, no, I can't give that up. That's saving your soul life. And then you will lose the kingdom enjoyment when the Lord comes back. But if you're willing to lose the, your soul life, again, for the Lord's sake, for him, He's the center of your being, of your life. You love him, the wonderful, all-inclusive Christ, for his sake. You are ready, not in just a feeling, this is your decision. I will lose my soul life for your sake, Lord. And then you have the assurance They'll be suffering now, but joy for a thousand years. And then a similar word in Mark 8, verse 35. For whoever wants to save his soul life shall lose it. 
But whoever will lose his soul life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. And so, in a careful way, but in an honest way, on behalf of the Lord, whom I serve, I want to ask this question. Do you want to save your soul life? Do you want your young adult children, they're saved, they're baptized, do you want them to save their soul life? Do you present a pattern to them of someone living in the church life and at the same time saving the soul life. What do you want? Then those who say, I want to save my soul life, and that's what they do, they'll lose it, they'll lose the kingdom enjoyment, their soul will suffer for a thousand years. But whoever will, this is a decision of the will, lose his soul life, for my sake and the Gospels shall save it. Here, the Lord adds, and the Gospels. To share the Gospel, to proclaim the Gospel, requires us to be willing to lose our soul life. We are not ashamed of the Lord. We're not afraid of people's reaction. This is losing the soul life. Then two other verses. John chapter 12. We are very familiar with verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his soul life loses it. And he who hates his soul life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. And so then in verse 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. Follow him where? As a grain of wheat falling to the earth and dying. And hating the soul life in the world, we still need proper human enjoyment. God created us with a sense of taste, of smell, to enjoy healthy food. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about loving the self, caring for the self, pampering the self, just wanting to avoid any suffer that may be involved with being an overcomer, following the Lord. But we can say we hate our soul life in the world. I hate what the satanic world system 
what it tries, what joy it tries to bring to my soul life. The enemy takes advantage of this. I hate that. I love the Lord and am following him by his grace. And then a familiar verse concerning overcomers in Revelation 12. Verse 11. And they overcame him, that is the devil, because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they loved not their soul life, even unto death. This is the kingdom requirement. Do not love your soul life unto the very end of your life. Well, we have living within us a wonderful person seeking to make his home in our heart and live in us and through us and with us. And he is the one who lived under the cross his whole life, denying his soul life, doing the Father's will, carrying out the Father's work, seeking glory for the Father, speaking the Father's word. Now he wants to live again in us. He, the overcomer, wants to live this overcoming life in us. And by living this life in us, he enables us to be willing to lose our soul life for his sake and also for the gospel's sake and to follow him wherever he goes. By the Lord's mercy, I distrust in his mercy. But as your brother, I speak on behalf of so many of you. Lord, our desire is to follow you wherever you go. We want to follow you to the throne to the kingdom, to the wedding feast, to the battle at Armageddon, and to the manifestation of the kingdom on the earth. Nothing we can enjoy in our soul can match, can compare with the joy that is coming through you. And now I feel peaceful to read through and speak upon the outline. Uh, And I just look to the Lord that the Spirit will speak what I cannot speak. And the Spirit will make clear what I cannot make clear. That none of us will be under the lie of the enemy concerning what, what it means to lose our soul life or to love our soul life. If we want to save our soul life, we'll lose it. But if we lose our soul life for the Lord's sake, we will save it. To save the soul life is to allow the soul to have its enjoyment and to escape suffering. To lose the soul life is to cause the soul to lose its enjoyment and thereby to suffer. And I repeat 
This is all for the Lord's sake. It's not for our sake. It's not to make us overcomers. It's not to make us special. It's for the Lord's sake. B, to lose the soul life is to lose the enjoyment of the soul. And to save the soul life means to preserve the soul and its enjoyment. So I use the illustration of FDTA and the other FDTs again. We have to be honest with you. You're a young adult, brother or sister. You have a certain background. There are things in your life that you like and enjoy very much. But if you come here as a faithful trainee, you are required by the Lord to lose a certain enjoyment that your soul really likes. You just can't be playing that music in your room. You're not going to be watching videos on your iPad or computer. You're not going to go to see a movie on the day off on Monday. There are other things you can do. You know, play basketball, play soccer, play frisbee. There are certain things that are proper, that the training allows. You need this. You have to understand. Don't come blind. You, your soul will suffer loss of certain enjoyment. But if you want to preserve the soul life, then this is not the place to be. You won't, you won't last. It'll become so clear in the training. You're preserving your soul life. And so it's better for you not to be here. See, to deny the self is to reject the soul's desire, preference, and choice. All of us, our souls has a desire, preference, and choice. And many of those desires, preferences, and choices are not godly. They're not beneficial. We have to be honest with the Lord, genuine with Him. But to deny the self is to reject these things the soul wants. D, we must deny our soul our soulish life with all its pleasures in this age so that we may gain it in the enjoyment of the Lord in the coming age. Okay, the pleasures in this age. And I'm speaking always to all the members of the body of all ages, but the, the young people, Teenagers in your early 20s, what, almost 60 years or more, younger than I am? If, we, if I told you some history of my growing up in the 50s, you will wonder, what, what a boring thing. There's nothing, no fun 
And now you're just surrounded by the pleasures in this age. What are you going to do about it? Will you allow the soul to have its way your whole life? And then on the Lord's Day, you put one foot into the church life. Maybe you listen to one or two conference messages every now and then. But under the guise of, I need to be balanced. So I'll come to the Friday night conference meeting, but I want to be balanced. So Saturday I'm going to see a professional basketball game. I got good tickets. I can't afford to miss that. I can afford to miss the ministry of the word. It's up to you. But don't expect to be building yourself into the ark or to be an overcomer. We need to have a vision of gaining the enjoyment of the Lord in the coming age. That's what Moses decided. He had everything in Egypt at his disposal. He chose to suffer with his people. And for the next 80 years, his life was in that direction. If we allow our soul to suffer the loss of its enjoyment in this age for the Lord's sake, we will cause our soul to have its enjoyment in the kingdom age. We will share the Lord's joy in ruling over the earth. Just consider that. Share the Lord's joy in ruling over the earth. That's what the Lord said in Matthew 25, 21 and 23, to the two faithful servants. Enter into the joy of your master. Just compare. Just be thoughtful. Calmly consider the difference between whatever you can have during your life on the earth in this present age. How much money? How, how much investments on the stock market? What, what a kind of a mansion-type house? Going from Jaguar to Mercedes-Benz or whatever you want. You like to go on cruises like anybody else. Yet, you're in the recovery. You're in the church life, partly. And compare that with a thousand years of joy with the Lord on the earth. A thousand years. Even if you live to be a hundred, which is not likely, some have and some will. The Lord needs some to live that long. Just be sober. Don't just live for the moment, for now. That's American culture. I want it now. Oh, I've been there and done that. I want something new for my pleasure. 
But we also need enjoyment humanly. And the Lord is becoming our enjoyment more and more. And we're governed by a vision of the coming joy. And we make the choice. Lord, we are willing to lose our soul life for your sake. Two, if we lose our soul life, we may participate in the rapture of the overcomers. So in order to participate in the rapture of the overcomers, we must lose our soul life. You, we cannot have it all. Don't believe those lies on the media. Oh, you're a woman. You don't have to choose. You can have it all. There's no such thing. If you want to participate in the rapture of the overcomers, you must lose your soul life, actually lose it. And that's your decision. You're not a robot. No brother taking the lead in a proper way will ever control you. You're a free human being. You make your own decisions. What kind of Christian life do you choose to have? If you really want to participate in the rapture of the overcomers, then you'll be willing to lose the soul life. I remember being in a meeting in the church in Los Angeles in 1970, 51 years ago. And in that meeting, a sister, truly a dear young sister, 17 years old, okay, unusually beautiful, and when you are such an attractive young woman, the boys, the young men pursue you. And she decided to live that kind of life. And she came to what she decided was her last meeting. And she said, in a, with a proper attitude, she said, I am choosing to take this way. And I know that I will be saved through fire. Referring to 1 Corinthians 3. So now she would be 68 years old. Was it worth it? I don't know. Other members of her family took the same course and there was just heartbreak, heartbreakingly, heartbreak tragedy took place. And now she'll not only be saved through fire, she'll be in utter darkness for a thousand years. That was her choice. She allowed the world to possess her. She's still our sister. It would be so deeply moving if somehow she would appear again and say, do any of you know who I am? I'm so-and-so. 
but I'm still here. And I want to come home. And what, what will we do? Slay the fattened calf. Put on the best robe and rejoice. Dear sister, it's not too late. You have time. Thank the Lord. A, in order to participate in the rapture of the overcomers, that we may enjoy the Lord's parousia, presence, coming, and escape the great tribulation, we must overcome the stupefying effect of man's living today. The conditions of evil living that stupefied the generation of Noah before the deluge and the generation of Lot before the destruction of Sodom portray the perilous condition of man's living before the Lord's parousia and the great tribulation. The perilous condition of our living today. It's perilous. And especially for the young. They're the the targets of the enemy. And while we have breath and energy in the spirit, we must and we will fight for them. Two, as followers of the Lord Jesus, we need to overcome the stupefying effect of the world's indulgent living by losing our soul life in this age, the world's indulgent living. Yes, every now and then, this is just a little family illustration. My wife will ask me, this is not every day, it's not that often, would you like some ice cream? And if I were dishing out ice cream, as I did decades ago, it would be one scoop, two scoops, maybe a little more. But I get the little bowl, and there's just a small amount but she has authority over my body and is saving me from indulgence, from indulgence. And I have a helper with this. That's why, in in any way, the benefit of a counterpart like this is just a simple illustration I enjoy a certain kind of pizza, but I don't want to order one and eat eight pieces. That's indulgence. Maybe once a year, I'll have one or two pieces. Again, these are just simple illustrations. It's the indulgence. It's the stupefying effect that hinders us. And causes the loss of the soul life. But we need to overcome this. Sorry, to lose our soul life. It causes us to save it. Preserving the soul life is related to lingering in the earthly and material things. This is from 
Luke, the Lord says, when the Lord is coming, don't go down in the house and get this. Don't go run back and get it. Oh, no. Oh, no. My iPad. I got to bring my iPad. Oh, my favorite tie. Oh, what about my little teddy bear I like to have on my bed? Whatever it is, don't look back. Don't be attached to it. You need it for living. But you don't need, well, you won't need your laptop in the wedding feast, okay? You won't need your smartphone in the kingdom, all right? Leave them there. But in that moment, that'll be a test of whether your soul is attached to those things. And because our soul is attached to things, that's why we can have such strong feelings if something gets damaged. Some men can and have been outraged if someone dented their new car. Some even fight, some even kill others because their soul is joined to the car. I have a car, it was given to me. I need transportation. I can live without it. I'm not attached to it. But as I've often said, I can tell if a young man really loves his car is when he parks it, starts walking away, then he looks back as if it's saying, don't worry, I'm coming back. We sh- our, our soul should not be attached to anything of this world. We linger in the earthly things because we care for our soul's enjoyment. In the present age, Lot's wife became a pillar of salt because she took a lingering look backward at Sodom, indicating that she loved and treasured the evil world that God was going to judge and utterly destroy. We should not think, dear saints, that, oh, I don't have to worry about this. If I have the sense inwardly that the Lord is calling, that he's coming, his parousia, his presence is beginning, surely I will respond. Don't deceive yourself, please. The two women were grinding. The two men were in the field. One taken, the other left. One taken, the other left. In that moment, you will have a reaction. If your soul is entangled with anything, any matter, any person, you will be held back. And then the rapture is gone. Taking has happened. That's why We need this word, and we need the word as a sharp sword to sever our attachment to anything that would hold us back at the time of rapture. That's why the Lord said, remember Lot's wife. Just looking back, 
I need to read that chapter in Genesis again to see if there was a command not to look back. There might be. But on this detail, I'm not, I'm not clear what I remember. But the fact that she looked back shows where her heart was. She reluctantly left Sodom, even though God was about to destroy it. She was not one with God's righteous judgment. She just wanted to take a last look. Oh, my house and my this and that. Then she became a pillar of salt. Remember Lot's wife. Three, lingering in the earthly things for the sake of our soul's enjoyment will cause us to lose our soul, meaning at at the kingdom, at the beginning of the kingdom. That is, our soul will suffer the loss of the enjoyment in the coming kingdom age. Just think about this. This is not a message to stir up emotion and to be inspiring in that way. I look to the Lord, there will be enlightening for all of us. Lingering. Lingering in earthly things. Why? Because our soul enjoys it. And we don't want our soul to suffer the loss of that. So as much as possible, we linger and stay in that. And that will that will cause us to lose our soul in the coming kingdom age. We will do it to ourselves. We will follow the soul life in this negative way instead of following the Lord at a cost. So you have a moment of enjoyment. You did. There is momentary enjoyment provided by the enemy in the world. But then consider the result. In this case, a thousand years outside of the manifestation of the kingdom. Three, Luke 17, 31 through 36, speaks of our reaction to the rapture call. So none of us knows what the rapture call will be like uh, based upon various matters in the word and in the lives of saints and the experience of life. It's not going to be a trumpet. And then every believer on the earth is now alert then they stop what they're doing. It's very likely to be a calm but real inner sense. I'm coming or or come. Or we just respond to the Spirit's leading, the teaching of the anointing. Our reactions. And we don't control reactions. They're they're too fast. Just too fast for us. 
We don't decide to have reactions. They're spontaneous. And that will be the case when it's rapture time. All the believers will have some kind of reaction. These verses depict the soul life and its engagement, not with sinful things, but with the things of earth. The Lord's charge here is related to the believers overcoming in their practical life, their practical life. Whether or not the living believers participate in the rapture of the overcomers depends on their reaction to the call to go. The rapture will occur secretly and unexpectedly. Consider those two words. Secretly. Nothing done openly. And what? Unexpectedly. That's why in various places the Lord said, be watchful, be watchful. He may come at a time you don't expect. Unexpectedly. We shouldn't have a thought, oh, surely the rapture will be when we're having a, a vital group meeting or a home meeting or just a, a living Lord's table meeting. Surely that will be then. It may be while you're stuck in traffic. It may be while you are lying in a hospital bed. It may be when you're just taking care of something at home. It may be when you are rotating the tires on your car. It may be when you are filling out your income tax unexpectedly. One, this call will not produce a miraculous last-minute change in us that has no relation to our previous life with the Lord. Nothing miraculous will take place. You won't be suddenly transformed and then glorified, transfigured. No. There will not be a last-minute change. Please don't take in this thought, young ones. Oh, I'm young. Yes, you older saints, we understand how you could pass away any time, but we have our whole life ahead. I have plenty of time. None of us knows how much time we have. And it won't be a miraculous last-minute change. There'll be no such thing. In that moment, we will discover our heart's real treasure. We will discover it. The Lord already knows, but we will discover. My heart's treasure was my car. My heart's treasure was this or that. It was just there. And the reaction. Can I just take this with me? I have a large number of books. I refuse to be attached to any book. I'm not going to be attached to my phone, to a computer. 
to anything. But you don't you can't decide that then. It has to be settled now. If this treasure is the Lord Himself, there will be no backward look. There'll be no backward look. The Lord has been your treasure. The call comes, you look to Him. It is full of joy. I'm going to see the Lord. I'm on the throne. At the throne, at, at the throne with him, not on, at the throne. It'll be a reaction, dear saints. Doesn't that give you a kind of desire to pray? Lord, Lord, save me from the wrong reactions. At that moment, I want to have reactions according to God. Lord, I don't trust myself. I don't fully know myself. Save me, Lord. Detach me from everything and anything that I have and that I need for my living. These dear brothers, many years ago, was visiting Korea. They had a tailor come. We want to have a suit made for you. I'm not going to, I don't want to look back. What about my suit? Because that's been in me for 18 years, this feeling. Lord, gain our heart now. Detach us now. We need the cross to work in us in a thorough detachment in spirit. A thorough detachment in spirit. from everything and everyone other than the Lord himself. I've been asked, I may be asked again, about parents that have young children or a young married couple, they're wondering about having children. And what will happen to them when it's rapture time and they're so young? I don't know. As far as I'm aware of, the Bible doesn't show us. So my answer is this. I simply trust my Father God. I simply trust Him. He loves them more than we could possibly love. And then you just follow the Lord's leading, whether you will have a family or not. That's between you and the Lord. But we need a thorough detachment from everything and everyone other than the Lord himself. So why don't we inquire of the Lord? I need to do this. Lord, is there anything or anyone from which I still need to be detached. Lord, Lord, if so, enlighten me, show me, and then thoroughly deal with it. Detach it. I want to hold only to you, not only then, but now. 
continually. Please grant me this grace. See, certain ones are taken because they have overcome the stupefying effect of self-indulgement living in this age to be raptured into the enjoyment of the Lord's parousia. Certain ones. We shouldn't think that because we're in the Lord's recovery and are active in a church life, that means we will all be raptured. It's really a personal matter that is corporate in its extent. When you're reaping, the first fruits is not just one, but each one is reaped, but you have a crop. And certain ones will be taken because they have overcome the stupefying effect of self-indulgent living in this age. And the Lord knows who has overcome the stupefying effect. He knows. And those who have overcome this effect they will respond positively. Roman 4, in Luke 21, 34 through 36, the Lord Jesus warns us to take heed to ourselves and to be watchful at every time, beseeching that we would prevail to escape all these things which are about to happen and stand before the Son of Man. What a prayer. Lord, save me to escape all these things that are about to happen. They're about to happen. I want to stand before the Son of Man on the throne. Why not pray for this? Again and again, I don't know why our sovereign God allows this, allow this pandemic I don't understand why he allows certain persons in government from White House down are saying and doing all the things they're saying and doing. I don't understand why things are the way they are in California. It's incredible. But it's having this effect on me. This is an indicator. This is a warning of what is coming. And we need to pray to escape all these things. Prevail here means to have strength and ability. The strength and ability to escape the great tribulation come from watching and beseeching. And that word beseeching refers to a certain kind of prayer. It's not every prayer. It's an urgent, intense prayer. There's desperation there when you beseech. If we just have a practical need, child says, I need new shoes, that's not beseeching. But if the child is sick and is suffering, she's beseeching. Daddy, daddy, help me, help me, please. This is the real beseeching. 
Escape refers to being raptured before the great tribulation. I want to escape. I'm not ashamed to say it, don't you? I want out of here. I want to escape. I want to appear before the Son of Man. All these things which are about to happen are the things of the great tribulation. Stand before the Son of Man corresponds with standing in Revelation 14.1, indicating that the raptured overcomers will stand before the Savior on Mount Zion in the heavens before the great tribulation. Oh, how I long. We won't have to have Zoom meetings then. Just all of us that are in this conference, anyone hearing this message, we would just all be there together. But this is the readiness, the preparation for the rapture overcomers. And as these overcomers will have another aspect of their overcoming life, the primary aspect, building the ark, the church as the corporate expression of Christ. And this, the goal of this conference, will be the subject of message three. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your companions. To find out more about this and other conferences, and to join our mailing list, please visit livingtohim.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube with the handle at livingtohim.com.